and welcome to Arcadis at MIPIM, a special series of five programmes focusing on the future of real estate. We'll hear about the buildings we live and work in and the biggest challenges facing our cities. Today we're in Spain and Portugal, talking about something we all know and enjoy, a bit of hospitality. How do you look long-term when the ever-changing system of travel restrictions can have a hotel fully booked one week and empty the next? As soon as borders open, confidence returns. Wow, we, that's one of my main concerns is, are we going to be ready? We'll look at what makes a hotel stand out from the rest and gives it staying power in the face of three huge factors. Covid, climate change and technology. Yeah, we better hold on to our uh, knickers, as they say. <laughs> We'll find out if you can plan in a pandemic, keep guests happy using artificial intelligence and be sustainable without skimping on luxury. He will know exactly what do I like for breakfast, what are my choices when I go for lunch and what kind of gin tonic do I like. That's all ahead on Arcadis at MIPIM. And a very warm welcome to today's programme. Joining me are... My name is Marcus Atli. I am the CEO of Arcades in Spain and Portugal. And I'm Flores Boyan. I'm the general manager at Mesual Bar Hotels Le Monumental Palace in Porto, Portugal. Thank you very much indeed, gentlemen, for joining me today. Now, three huge factors are shaping the future of hospitality at the moment. COVID, climate change and technology. Let us begin with COVID. Because if you check in in any hotel in Europe nowadays, you'll spot the marble floors are now marked with arrows pointing guests in a COVID-safe direction. There is the frequent and strange sight of guests wearing swimwear, but a mask as well. Some languages, such as German and Swedish, are more prevalent than ever. Others, such as English, are less so. The nature of our hotels has changed rapidly in the last year or so, even though more than ever we want to relax, be spoiled and forget the outside world when we are away. Floris, can I begin with you briefly? What was last year like and how quick has your recovery been this season? Last year, yes, was a disaster. It was a on and off of open, closed, as well as the hotel, as well as frontiers and, and borders. So very inconsistent. We did open a brand new restaurant, which was a huge success. This helped us as well attract the local guests. But this year, yeah, we've been still closed for three months. But since reopening, it's been a boom. It's going like a rocket. So tell us who's coming to your hotel this year compared with, let's say, two years ago and what they're wanting. We reopened fully in May. We saw that uh, we only had Spain and uh, Portugal as our main markets available to come without any major risk, able to present themselves. So both the restaurant, which immediately attracted the local client, plus needing to travel within the country, we attracted those two markets as a first. And in general, they are happy to leave. They were happy to leave the house. They were happy to meet in, a, in an internationally acclaimed hotel uh, in their own country. So they were very proud that this product existed. It was vital for us. And we see that's a trend that's going to continue to maintain people indoors, in-house uh, or in the country, local tourists, let's say. Marcos, what have you spotted in the last couple of months since the tourism industry has tried to kickstart itself with enthusiasm? What are your clients talking about and wanting? Well, the, uh, the big investors that approach us are very much excited. They see huge opportunities in, in the south of Europe, basically, with huge amount of money to invest. 
they see the opportunity to dive into the leisure and luxury hotel sector faster than the city hotels with huge investments. They see huge opportunities because they have very good opportunities on locations with high quality and very good yields. That is moving them into fast-moving decisions in order to position themselves into the future. Why? Because some hotel opportunities are there and they don't want to let them go. On the country, it's not happening. This north of Europe, where I think it's a little bit more slow on the investment side. So we are quite busy in advising them on new designs and new perceptions of what clients want. Tell us about these new designs, what what the client is now asking that perhaps would have surprised you 24 months ago. Well, I following what Forrest was mentioning earlier, the new clients are expecting more open space. They don't want to have conglomerates. They want restaurants which are open to the outside, not the windows, but open doors, for example. Uh, the rooms tend to be more open space, clear, with a lot of light. And they don't want to have a lot of crowds next to the seaside or swimming pools, for example. I don't see so many spas anymore. So I think things have changed. The design of the cells will be changing radically in the next few years for what I'm seeing. And Flores, would you agree that you're having to recalibrate what your hotel has to offer to people, given the fact that we are in a situation that's not going to change overnight? Yeah, especially how we offer it. Reduced capacities, windows opening, bigger terrace licensing, uh, all that kind of things are going on. Then it goes from produce or or fabrics and and materials used for furniture are changing everything that we have to replace we're going to a more smoother quality and avoiding decorative pillows and things like that so yeah it has an effect on us absolutely marcus talk us about investors and developers coming in now and having to completely recalibrate what they can and cannot do with a building and with a hotel Um, windows open bigger spaces they are not necessarily things which come cheap, are they? So how are finances being reassessed here? Well, it is a little bit cheaper because you tend to knock walls away, okay? The rebuilding of hotels that are built in the 60s or 70s, right now the location is best in class, it's prime. And what they're doing right now is probably redesigning the inside, and that means knocking the walls. So the redesigning of the rooms and, and the open space, as I was saying earlier, is, is much, much simpler because the furniture, the windows, the, the terraces are all in one in one room, let's put it this way. The only thing you might find separate are the bedrooms and, and, and the bathrooms. The rest is open. A new tendency, for example, is not just the hotel, it's apartments linked to the hotels, okay, in which cl- clients have their own space with the hotel service walking in. This is what right now we are seeing the investors looking for. Buffets are fading away, for example, for the time being because of the COVID situation. They might come back later on. But it's what I normally would say, open space, very much on, if I can say it, the American way in which you have the kitchen link into the living room, which at European level is not the case. But we go into that direction. So you have a hotel which is COVID safe and nonetheless retains its warmth and its welcome. Absolutely. Absolutely, yes. Absolutely, yes. And Marcos, how much confidence are your investors and your developers enjoying or experiencing when it comes to the amount of support or the amount of encouragement that they can get from industry and also from governments to ensure that the business will be running, that doors will be open and people will be able to travel? 
Well, they have all the support. Okay, I can say, for example, the uh, community of Andalusia has put the hotel sector or tourist as a priority. Okay, so the license process to be able to get a license used to be nine months. Now it's much much shorter. I mean, you have the town halls supporting all these uh, investments, and I can see that happening in other areas because in countries like Spain, for example, the twelve percent of the PIB national level is tourist. You're talking 81 million euros two years ago coming to Spain. That's a lot of people moving into one country. Let's not forget, for example, the next generation EU, which is the biggest financial stimuli created by the European community to help Europe to become more digital, ecologic and, and resilient. And that's something that will be changing the way we look into this sector into the future. So there's a lot of money local, there's a lot of money for big investors, and there's a lot of money coming from the European community. And Floris, when it comes to allowing people to move within hotels, to work in hotels, to travel to and from hotels, the key for several governments is the vaccine passport. What are your thoughts on that? It's vital. It's a way of checking what's uh, going on. It's a way of assuring that people are safe and that people feel safe when they get in both guests and staff. No, it's, it's a thing that has to be pushed through. It will be part of life. It needs to be as international and as versatile or as international as possible that it's integrated from the US to Brazil to Germany, which is still something that lacks a little bit. I even believe we can add their information in terms of previous travels, likes, dislikes, who knows? I think that's the sky is the limit. It becomes like a business card. It will be vital to the recovery of tourism which I just want to mention, everything looks in a way that it will come back very quickly. As soon as borders open, confidence returns. Wow, we, that's one of my main concerns is, are we going to be ready? Because staff is an issue or can be an issue in many sectors and in many industries. I can tell you, as soon as borders open, especially with the United States, it will be an influx of travelers, tourists, especially Portugal is on the on the high rise in, in the US. Yeah, we better hold on to our um, knickers, as they say. <laughs> well, we shall, thank you. I'm joined by Floris Boyan, General Manager of the luxury hotel Le Monumental Palace in Porto in Portugal. It's part of the Maison Alba hotel uh, chain. And Marcus Utley is the CEO of Arcadis Spain and Portugal. When it comes to climate change, hotels have arguably got quite a case to answer from the heating and air conditioning in guest rooms, the water heaters for the showers, the pools and the spas, to the electricity powering the lights, the TVs, the refrigerators and the laundry. A week away can cost the earth in more ways than one. Tourism is responsible for 8% of the world's carbon emissions and according to the Sustainability Hospitality Alliance, hotels specifically make up around 1%. And all this is happening where we are seeing and experiencing very much every single day the effects of climate change. Talking to you, Marcos, the temperatures wholesale across southern Europe are becoming incredibly hot now, aren't they? Indeed, indeed, it's something that is changing radically. It's something that we are facing every single year with this radical climate change. Uh, even the rain that we've been getting in the last few weeks, which is completely unusual, is something that is affecting summer. And summer is tourists, and tourists is hotels. 
and hotels is traveling. So it's, it's like a vicious circle that is moving around, which we all being be very careful. Uh, within Arcadis, what we're trying to do is an integrated solutions on, and a strategy that we provide to our clients. We face all this situation. The beautiful thing that we have is that since we're global, we try to see what solutions we are providing into the United States or in the Netherlands or in the UK or in Hong Kong, I'll be able to apply that into local clients in Spain, Portugal, Italy, for example. It's something that is of maximum concern because since we talk to a lot of operators for investors, they all have the same concerns. So we all put that in one bag and we try to bring solutions that will help everybody. So these integrated solutions are dealing with what? I mean, from the most fundamental to make sure that the AC is running to keep guests cool, to refill the swimming pool, to make sure that it hasn't evaporated. Simple things like that. Absolutely. For example, something that people don't realize, and Flores was mentioned earlier, is the amount of water you spend in a hotel. One of the solutions that we integrate is put a little bit more oxygen into the water. So when you take a shower, the water is a little bit more evaporated, but you don't spend so much water. Water is something that is fundamental into the future. If we go into the electricity, air conditioning is electricity. Do we have to have 18 degrees? And we put it into 21 degrees. So we measure those things. Floris, when a guest walks into your reception, is the first question they ask how much of a carbon footprint that they're making? Or is there still that rather odd situation where we all are all incredibly climate conscious for 99.9% of the time? And then when we go away and we have that wonderful luxury stay or we, we have to go away for business, all climate concerns are out of the window. No, not out of the window. But uh, yes, I agree. Uh, I think people are truly really not concerned at that moment that they check into a hotel or, or a restaurant. Restaurant maybe less, but the hotel, it's not like, look, what are you doing? Is it enough for me to stay here? We don't really see that. It depends on generations, with all due respect. And it depends on us. It doesn't mean that the client doesn't ask. We don't have to do anything. It's also for us as a team to sleep on both ears and in peace and say, look, our garbage is sorted and is being picked up as it's supposed to. Uh, I was mentioning, as Marco said as well, these little pieces that we install in the shower heads, for example, that are, is able to reduce seriously consumption. Uh, we're testing that with guests, see if they notice a difference in a rain shower, for example. But they make huge differences. Some of them save up to 40% of water per minute. So these are important. But the essence is, if we don't do it, we cannot expect the guest to take a lukewarm bath and only half filled or flush the toilet uh, only once a week. So. There's a lot of responsibility in our hands and we see it increasing with guests, the, the, the importance of it. Putting it into action, the younger the generation becomes, the more they value it and the more they let their wallet speak according to how uh, energy efficient and how socially responsible we are. Marcos, again, it all comes down to cost, doesn't it? For those developers and investors that you are talking to, building the hotels of the future can you still achieve the same level as luxury as before without compromising green credentials or even by making us all feel as if we're doing good just by booking a stay? This does cost more to do, doesn't it? And combining with COVID measures that are having to be put in place, how are people strategizing their way through this? The budget is a budget. You know, we, we can't change that. If you want good quality, you have to pay for it. But uh, as things are moving forward, we can go into sequel construction, for example. Nowadays, we are able to identify materials that can be recycled into the future. There is a program in which we have identified materials that we can build 
an hotel and five to ten years later on if they want to remodel or rechange the hotel those materials can be recycled there's a lot of things that we can modify within the design and the cost even before you put a brick on the ground that will simplify the process and would make it far better footprint carbon footprint into the future than than we did into the past and marcus this is the future isn't it the the fact that investment now is so dependent on people's environmental credentials and arguably working much faster than any government could do the 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 private sector must push ahead with this absolutely absolutely the private sector is is the driver here the the governments basically do the support that they require but it's the private investors who are on the developers to put the risk on the table there's no question about it Finally, how much is a human touch a part of hospitality? There are some who need and want nothing more than an automated check-in, lunch ordered from an app and a dinner pre-booked according to past menu choices. Others like to get to know the staff, the customs and the quirks of a place and no threat of endless emails about loyalty plans. When it comes to tech and data, hospitality has a very delicate path to tread, doesn't it, Floris? Yes, challenging and, and, and interesting. The pillars of our business are always service and, and hospitality. And when I speak about service, it's technology, a lot of technology in terms of online check-ins, pre-stay, post-stay, during-stay emails, making sure people are okay, keeping guest profiles. But when you let the guest fill in their proper profile, it's very limited. When we fill in one, it's very complete. We see things that you don't see or that do you don't notice. And that's where the extra mile comes in, is making the team uh, sensitive to that. We need to give the choice to people. If people want to do a pre-check-in and just walk up to the room without any contact, it is possible. And if they wish so, it is a perfect possibility. If not, you know, we're here to take the bags for them, to pay the taxi, take their passport, the whole process and talk to them, get to know them in the middle. So it's an option that we have and both sides remain important. Marcus, I think I read somewhere a couple of weeks ago that soon enough, three out of four activities in hospitality could one day become automated. How keen are investors to go down the tech route, not least because we've talked about two huge areas of expense, COVID and climate change. This is one area where you can literally save people power. Well, technology is productivity, profitability or client experience, because this will give you all kinds of information that is going to help their owners or the developers to get proper information to make better and best decisions into the future. And that would make them have a much more solid uh, database on their asset or the portfolios. Therefore, that is the future. But Floris, how much do people really want this kind of thing? I mean, do we all want to be automated and check in? And I mean, this is obviously going to be a cost-driven thing, arguably, and a profitability thing. But there will be some who, and I'm sure COVID has brought this to the fore, want to meet the person they have spoken to on the telephone. And arguably, your staff might crave that human contact as well. And I think, first of all, when we speak about profitability, there's a huge difference we can make back of the house. Back of the house meaning... Look, the guest is not in the room, so there's no point in having the lights. That kind of integrated uh, technology is vital for us. The data is important still for us to know this is going on. This person checked in, he's an older couple, they fly in from here or there. 
But I still believe that, especially in luxury or in, in full-service hotels, the human factor remains very important. And it is a challenge for us. People will notice retaining, maintaining staff, finding them and training them will be a key. Might be that in the lower sectors, automation is more common practice because we see now, I don't know if it's something that will continue into the future, is people don't want to work anymore in hospitality as much as they did before. So as human resources become scarcer, it will be an increase of technology into uh, hotel operations. But service stays a human or has to remain with a human touch. What about consent? Marcos, are you finding this enormous gathering of AI and data? What do companies actually want to do with it all? It all seems to, it all boils down to profitability and efficiency. Yes, absolutely. Yes. Uh, the more data you have, the more information you can gather and you can make better decisions. Let me put myself, while we look into these IT systems, in which Flores is able to see that if I'm going to his hotel, he will know exactly what do I like for breakfast, what are my choices when I go for lunch, and what kind of gin tonic do I like. That information gathers once you plug information into the system. Marcus, at what point do you draw the line, however? Because when you mentioned the idea of of a computer gathering what food you eat, frankly, what happens between me and a buffet in a hotel is something that stays between me and a buffet in a hotel. And I think guests quite like to be discreet and private when they when they go in holidays. I, I do agree. Again, um, but the information is there, whether you use it or not. It's a, it's a, it's a management decision. Floris, therefore, where is where is your line? Are you going to be monitoring how many slices of pineapple someone's taking from the from the buffet, or is this something that you just it's it's something that you're going to have to accept as information that you're not going to get? Well, it's a line that the guest has to decide. We have people that are open to receive everything and immediately want to know. They opt in on the newsletters. They reply to the three emails they receive. We see it, for example, we are, we are associated with a company which is called Leading Hotels of the World. We have leading club members that are, have a full profile completed that we receive as soon as they arrive or a few days before. And we have people that just have their name and look, this person is arriving. We don't know if they like sparkling or still water. Again, we need to be able to offer the option. It needs to be in the client's hands to decide. And that line is, is uh, not ours to, to comment on. But Floris, you were mentioning a moment ago that you thought that the vaccine passport could have a lot more of a business potential attached to it as well. True, that's absolutely correct. As do the profiles that people fill in with leading hotels of the world. They still decide whatever they agree or not agree to share or to put in there. For us, it could be a data source. Our maintenance team is, uh, is moving away from a hammer and nails and screwdrivers to really becoming more tech-savvy and, and making sure that passwords are protected, etc. And we will become much more reliant on specialized service providers and know-how when it comes to IT, when it comes to projects, when it comes to integrating and preparing for the future and carbon neutrality, etc. We need to uh, rely on companies to provide integrated solutions. Finally, that brings us to the solutions section of today's podcast. Floris, if you had one thing, one bit of advice that you would give to the hospitality industry right now in terms of recovery, what's a little bit of help that we could all go away and and just start working upon tomorrow? 
We've been thinking of solutions every single day since the last year and a half, and we continue to do so. So, you know, it fine-tuned a lot of things in an operation. And um, yeah, that's just something I want to say. Well, for what I've been able to see, and there's no doubt about it, the hotel sector has accommodated itself to a unique reality, something completely new. And it has not only been able to adapt itself, but it's become far stronger than it was before. They've learned, they have accommodated. Uh, listen to Flores, I can even foresee that they are far much more prepared for adversity and be able to uh, accommodate itself to new challenges. And I think that's the beautiful thing about the hotel sector, be able to receive people from around the world and be able to provide them a service in a different country with a different cultures and a different services itself. Marcos Utley, CEO of Arcadis, Spain and Portugal. Thank you so much for joining us on the line today from Madrid. And my thanks too to Flores Boyan, General Manager of Le Monumental Palace in Porto in Portugal. Well, that brings us to the end of today's programme. If you enjoyed it, then make sure you subscribe. Search Arcadis wherever you get your podcasts to hear the other episodes in this special series at MIPIM. And follow Arcadis on social media to find out more about what we do. I'm Emma Nelson. Goodbye. Thank you very much for listening.